Oh, welcome to episode 334 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. He can find bashing the living shit out of a door somewhere on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Bashing the shit out of a door? What door? Yeah, mate. I, I realised today that uh, the NRL's got a thing about people with doors. Yeah. Do you think Matt Lodge... He, he just absolutely abused the door, and Rugby League was there for him for rehabilitation purposes. Yeah. Um, and that was where James Roberts went wrong, because he just gently just slid the door. Yeah, he slid um, it open, and he, he yeah. broke the seal. That's right, man. You never break the seal. Never Everyone break the that. seal, ever. Especially when it's cold weather outside, you don't do that. Yeah. It's a weird one. It's funny because they overturned all of that seal and the players and their families up in that hotel. And so if he had have done it now, he wouldn't have got fined. It would have been completely not a problem. But because <laughs> he did it a couple of days ago, he gets fined 7500 bucks and banned for a game. And, and that just shows how ridiculous some of this shit is. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Like, can you imagine if somebody's come to you, right, and they said, you've got to stay in the hotel. And you're like, yeah, I get it. I get that. You can't go out. I understand that. And then they say, and we're just going to put some sticky tape on your door to make sure we know you didn't go out in your balcony. At that point, that's when I say, fuck everyone. I'm opening this door. Now. Yeah, I, I would do that, it. Just that's a challenge. Isn't like, there sticky tape on the door? That's a challenge. Yeah. Like, I, I, I focus on what type of sticky tape. Where can I purchase some of this sticky tape? Do you reckon there's an underground network of stick tape swapping going on amongst NRL players? I don't know. I mean, it is in Queensland. Yeah. This is the thing that gets me. It's, it was in a Brisbane hotel room, wasn't it? Or was it Gold Coast? I think it's Gold Coast from memory. Yeah. See, there's not much to do in Gold Coast other than smashing grabs. I mean, why, would, why would you even want to open your door? Just keep it shut and keep the criminals out. Well, the only things that I know that you can do in the Gold Coast are um, cocaine and prostitutes. That's all the Gold Coast is known for, isn't it? Well, that yeah, that, um, you know, smashing grabs at 7-Elevens. Yeah. Yeah, that, they're, they're pretty big. They're like, yeah. Those three are the top three things. That, you know, I know they've got tourism stuff, but, you know, that's a long way down the list of things to do there. Way, way down the list. I've been to the Gold Coast a few times. Mm. And uh, the local activities aren't my sort of thing. Like the main thing that I do is basically go to the area where all the food is and just eat. <laughs> yeah, there's not much food there. There's plenty of nose candy, not much food. Yeah, yeah. It's all like uh, chain stuff. I'm probably the worst sort of, um, what do you call it, tourist. Because, yeah, I will go and just, I'll be like, oh, I might get myself some Porto while I'm here. So, yeah, I'm not one of the the people that go to the strip clubs and snort shitloads of cocaine or anything like that. It's not my deal. Oh, you're missing out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'm happy to miss out on all that stuff. There you go. Yeah, look, we're going to do a long overdue episode of Ask Kenty. What do you reckon? My body is ready. Uh, we're up to volume nine, which is crazy. It's insane. Last, Nine, you know what? Last time we did this, mm. Ben Eichen was hosting the show. Now it's Yvonne Sampson. Yes, yes. 
It's uh, one one less loudmouth on there. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Not that, Although not they, that Icon was very loud, but you know. Yeah, true. They did get uh, they brought in um, what's his name, Ray Hadley. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't watched it. I can't the, watch it. The 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 loss you make by getting rid of Ben Icon is multiple is magnified. Yeah. By the addition of Bolts Hadley. Yeah. I just can't do that to myself. Oh, I wish they'd bolt his mouth shut. Um, look, the, I'm going to start with a bit of a uh, funny one here. Okay. It says, when will you address accusations that you and convicted wife killer Boris Rostevsky are the same person? What the hell does that mean? Who's that? Um, it's a bloke who looks an awful like Paul Kent. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> not making any imputations here, but... Uh, if Paul Kent went and got himself a uh, half-assed facial hair going on, yeah, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting uh, comparison there. I don't know why this person has been looking at this stuff for. <laughs> <laughs> You've been told you look like someone. Um, yeah, but it's not not often is it um, good people as as far as attractive people. It's always bad is holy crap he does look like paul kent yeah holy shit that's crazy it is that's insane that's really <laughs> really crazy wow well we've got the image for the uh <laughs> for the for the episode on uh instagram yeah that's a good one we'll have to get that one <laughs> to nadine to put up that's insane wow you love that yeah it's uh I think once I got compared to Will Ferrell. Okay. Yeah, I've always made the the comment that uh, when in Anchorman, when Will Ferrell's got the beard on and he's lost his job and he's losing his mind, <laughs> big red bushy beard. That's me when I that, when I used to grow facial hair. That's what it used to look like. Just this when unkempt red mess on your face. When he's drinking the milk and he's going, milk yeah. was a bad idea. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. I've been cool. I've been uh, when I was younger. I had a chick say I look like Kurt Russell, which I didn't see that. And then more recently, I was told I look like a guy on I think it was called Chicago Fire or something. Uh, I don't know his name. I, I can't even tell you the actor's name, but I looked like him. And then uh, more recently, somebody because I I grew my facial hair, had somebody say I look like Russell Crowe, which was a bit weird. <laughs> Okay. So, so where did you bury them? <laughs> yeah, I said, you probably crazy an old fat man. What are you talking about? It's weird. Oh, well, well, well. I think I was just given off like I'd given up and I've given up sort of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so being compared to Russell Crowe, that's enough to make you change your life choices. Yeah, it is. That'll turn you vegan. <laughs> <laughs> um, All of a sudden, I was like, "Should I stop eating gluten?" Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part of the food. Yeah, I love the gluten part. Okay, next one is uh, when a player is taken out as a result of foul play and then misses a number of games. Would the NRL ever consider providing cap relief to that team? Ugh. No. <laughs> uh, they can't manage the cap as it is. Don't go putting that sort of stuff in there. I know. You know what's really weird in sport, and this has been coming in over the last 10 years, is that everyone just wants a leg up. Like if something slightly goes against their team, 
they're like, well, shouldn't we get some sort of compensation or something go our way because of that? It's like, no, it's sport. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes things go wrong. Fucking deal with it. Yeah, exactly. That's. I was just going to say no, but you've you've uh, fleshed it out and made it even better. Yeah. Um, the silver lining on losing Finnegan is that it now enables the Storm to extend Brandon Smith long term, guaranteeing him a starting position. How likely is that from eventuating? Do you think? Ooh, I assume I... he's he's suggesting that they're going to put Smith at, at lock. Yeah. I suppose I... he can do it, but. I don't know. I, I think it's – I feel like he's going to want his own place in a team. Yeah, and I think he's said already too that he wants to be a hooker somewhere. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. be playing else, everywhere else. He's happy to play wherever, but I think he genuinely wants to be a nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, on Finnecane, it was kind of weird the way that he was all of a sudden being talked up like he was Norm Proven or something, <laughs> you know, and then – it was then he signed with the Sharks and people started putting shit on the Sharks. I just think that it's always scary to sign a Storm player because they very rarely play better than they were at the Storm. And look, it's not like he's been setting the house on fire for the last year and a half. Look, the, the thing you get with Finnegan, and it's something he did have at the Bulldogs and before he went to the, the Storm, is um, defensively. There are a few players better than him. It's not just his, his technique either, but he keeps the players around him, um, you know, lock solid in the defensive line. Mm. You don't see too many tries go through Finnegan or either side of him. And so I think that's something that they do need. The problem I see with it is the Sharks last year, for what reason I still don't know, I didn't know then, I still don't know, they signed Cameron McInnes from the Dragons. Yeah. McInnes is a hooker who had started transitioning to lock. Mm-hmm. And then Blake Braley came along, and he's come along in leaps and bounds these last two years. There's yeah. no chance you're dropping that kid from the starting lineup. Um, he's, he's a first-grade player. Yeah. So he's the hooker. So it looked like that they were going to put McInnes at lock. And then they've signed Finnegan, who's a far better lock than McInnes is. So what are you doing with McInnes now? He's not mm-hmm. a lock, and they've already got a hooker better than him in the side. What that that's like that's a West Tigers signing. Yeah, not, not just the fact that it's McInnes, but the fact is they've bought a player they didn't need. They tried to think about how they could rejig his position so that they could justify signing him, and then they signed someone better than him anyway, and they're just left with this bloke who's a third wheel now. Well, they, and I felt similarly to because they've got Barbara Kennedy at the back there for the for the Sharks, and look, he's a really good fullback. I like him as a fullback. And then they signed a young bloke from down at the Storm, who's like their backup fullback. Can't remember his name now. Nico Hines. Yeah. That's it, Nico Hines. And I I kind of was thinking like. I, I can understand grabbing talent. I can understand if you really need talent, just grab whoever it is and work it out later on down the track. But I also think there's something to be said for making sure you spend the salary cap in the areas you really need to spend it in. Yeah, I think from what I gather, the the signing of Hines was to have him as an actual ball running six, which is what Canberra had been trying to do 
and trying to evolve Jack White into being. Jack White's basically a slightly better version of Josh Dugan when he was at his peak, let's be honest. Yeah, he's a strong running uh, fullback who's transitioned to being a pretty decent strong running centre. But for some reason, he got thrown into the sixth uh, gig. Yeah. The problem you get with that is if your halfback isn't a genuine halfback who control, can control the game, White and can't. No, not at all. Um, and so I dare say what we're getting with Hines is he's got a better passing game, in my view, than what Whiten has. Yeah. So he's going to be able to handle the fire base role better, but he still needs to have a genuine seven to control the game and steer him around the field. Um, and that's something that the Sharks, uh, they're going to have a, basically a rookie do it. They're going to have Trindle basically doing that next year. Yeah, it's got to be Trindle, doesn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a weird one. I just think that, you know, the Sharks fans, they're all in on Fitzgibbon as the coach. And I get it. They're looking for something. But I don't know. The good thing is we'll find out. That's the best part about rugby league. They yeah. play games, so we'll find out. Yeah. Unless it's the World Cup. Anyway. Yeah. Um, right, what's next on here? What is the pinnacle of rugby league? Is it the NRL? Is it State of Origin? Or is it the World Cup? Depends what you, Clark, what you think is the pinnacle is. Like, if it's the financial pinnacle, even then, I mean, is it because you earn more money playing one State of Origin game? Or is it because you earn a longer-term deal playing in the NRL? It's a really good question. What would it you is. rather – if you had to win as a player one trophy, what one would you want to win and why? I think the NRL Premiership because it's the hardest of them all. It's, yeah, I'd, I'd find it hard to, to say – anything other than the NRL premiership. Man, winning a World Cup would be amazing, though. Oh, it would be, absolutely. I think the state of origin thing is, I don't know, I see, I've I've never really been, um, you know, bought into the whole magic of origin. I, look, mm-hmm. I, I love watching it. You know, I watch rugby all the time, if you know, if I can. Yeah. And there's been so many absolutely fantastic games of footy played in Origin. But if we're genuinely honest, it's three exhibition games every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no – there's nothing beyond Origin there. It's just it's just these three exhibition games got in the middle of the year. Um, and through very good PR, it's become an immensely brilliant addition to the rugby league calendar. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Um, but the World Cup is the highest honour you can have, or just international football is the highest honour you can have. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the way the World Cup is at the moment, let's be honest, there's only two or three teams that are ever going to be competing for the World Cup at this stage. Do you if reckon... If you happen to be playing for Australia, you're going to be at least a 50% chance of winning the thing. Yeah, exactly. Easy. Do you reckon, because obviously we both love our rugby league history... Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though, and, and we and when we've read about it in the past, it kind of ticks over at international level. That's what moves the game forward. But that has changed. Do you think that 
I mean, I feel as though when we had that year when Tonga beat Australia, that was that was seismic because it was like that was the thing that happened that year. Yeah. Over everything else, in my opinion. Um, and because of COVID, we've kind of only had club football since. I just hope we don't lose the momentum at international level just because of COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't think we will. I think what what rugby league should do, especially in Australia, is see this as an opportunity to reset and rethink the way they they look at international football because mm. for too long since the Super League war ended, mm-hmm. we've basically played World Cup games in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing that's got to change because it's it's turned international the international jumper for Australia it's turned into something a bit boring. Mm-hmm. Like every four years you get to watch us play in the World Cup and people go, oh, it's good. We get to play someone other than New Zealand. And then it's just playing New Zealand, you know, 75, 80% of the time from there. And that's not even exaggerating. No. The amount of times we've played New Zealand since um, 97, 98, it's off the chart, especially when you compare it with other countries. We've barely played France, who we used to play all the time. Yeah. Even the even the Poms haven't been playing them anywhere near as much as we used to prior to the um prior to the Super League War. And you've got all the Pacific Islands, which are all doing brilliant and growing at a rapid rate, and we barely play them. And it's the thing that frustrates me a bit is as much as I'll sit there and criticize and rightfully criticize England for completely ignoring playing against France, Wales, Scotland and Ireland, mm-hmm. and they're all on their doorstep. Australia's not that much better because they don't play Tonga, Fiji, Samoa, Papua New Guinea anywhere near as much either. I mean, when was the last time we can recall watching Australia play PNG? It was a Four Nations thing. Yeah, true. But we do have the PMs 13. Like, I, I feel as though... That's a cop-out, though. I know. I know it is. I know it is, right? But at the same time, I think that the the way that Australian Rugby League has looked at it is that they've said, okay... We can place in, and this is going back probably about 20 years now when I think about it. We can play these other nations in our vicinity in the world, but we're going to flog them. What we're better off doing is let them all play each other and get their level up to a point where they do become really good opposition for us to play. And I feel like we got there. I feel like, you know, Tonga beat us flat out. I think that was a good thing. But you know, because we, we stopped, we couldn't go on with it. Um, and it's look, it's why I would love to see the World Cup played every three years because you get rid of a lot of the problems of that, you know, not playing other nations all the time. Because if it's every three years we're having a World Cup and you could end up playing like, you could end up playing Jamaica, Italy and Ireland in your World Cup group. I just think it's a good thing that we have those that mix of, opposition because unlike you i mean you know if they come out and they said we're going to play new zealand and then great britain again in a three ma- in a three team series it would be the most boring thing they could ever do i don't want to see us playing great britain again i'm sick of it i know how it ends yeah i mean let's be honest australia versus great britain that's what tours are for and tours are designed to be something you use to promote the game in areas that might be struggling or new market areas. Mm. Tours are promotional things. Mm. And 
I like the fact that they were sadly COVID ruined it, but they were looking at bringing them back in a, you know, a more limited capacity, but try and get two is happening again. I think that was a great idea. It's got to be used purely as a, um, both to help international rugby league, but also to promote it around the world as well. So we don't, we can't just go and go to England and play their super league teams and play four, you know, three tests against England and, you know, one or two games against France and then fuck off home like we're used to. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough anymore. The game's established there. So we need to just play those to respect those nations, but then try and look about taking the game places new. Play yeah. a game in the USA or Canada or, you know, somewhere in Europe other than Great Britain and France. You know, try some new things. Add some new places on the horizon and try and get it into a, a regular thing. That's what would be brilliant. But... uh I don't know. It, uh, to me, it just feels like it's not going to happen. No. I, it, the problem is that right now, I mean, look, the, right now at, at Sydney and our old club club can't p- play in Sydney. Yeah. Like, how can we start talking about, oh, I'd love to see. And I'll, it, it's cool to talk about, but you don't know when it's going to be, when you could put it in place, you know. Yeah, that's right. Be like having a World Cup right now. It'd just be silly. Yeah, I, I still don't think they should be playing a World Cup now. We'll talk more about that later on. Mm. Um, with the ARL Commission withdrawing from the World Cup, wouldn't that also apply to a potential Indigenous Australian representative team as the Commission would have to sanction participation in the tournament as the governing body? I'd say yes. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. I, and that's something I've been thinking about too. Like, you know, surely that's how it works. I don't think that... You know who runs who runs the Indigenous Rugby League team? CNRL, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, because at this stage the only Indigenous team we've got that's recognised is that team that plays in the All Stars game every now and then. Yeah, which so, is again another exhibition side, but it's it's a team owned by the ARLC or the NRL, whoever it is. And do you reckon that if they did take part in the World Cup? Like, just say there was an independent Indigenous and Maori rugby league teams put together for the mm-hmm. World Cup. Do you reckon they'd get the same share of money that Australia and New Zealand was going to get? And do you reckon that they would independently be able to spend that money as they saw fit? No. Yeah, I, I bet they would underchange them. They would They would find a way. I have zero faith in the International Rugby League Administrators. I think that that's not just the international. I think that's also the ARLC. They they want their fair slice of the pie. Yeah, yeah, I reckon you're right. Yeah, which is a shame because I think if, if that was to go ahead, someone from the indigenous teams for both countries, Australia, New Zealand, should come out and say, "We will go ahead and we will represent our nations, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, our indigenous nations." Um, on the proviso that we get exactly the same money that the national teams would have got and we get to spend that money within our indigenous footballing communities as we see fit if they made that clear and public the arlc would and, and if the arlc wanted them to go yeah that'd put them in a tough spot and they have to agree to it i mean imagine being forced to say no to spending money in indigenous communities how much of an asshole you'd look especially take- given how much um yeah. These Indigenous communities provide so many great players 
to Australian New Zealand rugby league teams. I believe decades. I believe there's a a Indigenous rugby league competition, and I feel like it's based in northern New South Wales. Um, I oh man, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I'm pretty sure there is. But you know, the thing, the way I look at it is, if they come out and they said that, they said whatever money Australia is going to get, we will we will use that. I feel as though it would be the World Cup organisers that would go like, oh, we weren't expecting them to want the exact same amount of money. Yeah, tell you what though, if they want them in there, it'd be hard for them to say no. Do you reckon that Australia? So do you reckon that Jamaica gets the same amount of money from playing at the World Cup as Australia does? No, no, God no. They, they I think they they get all the same amount of money from the, the International Rugby League, mm. but I think the individual um, sporting bodies. Oh, pay yeah, extra on, pay on extra on top of it. Yeah, they pay their players. Yeah, but like just so from the, so probably yeah, so actually to to rephrase it, so I think you yes you're probably right. They'd all get paid the same, but they wouldn't be getting paid much. Yeah, 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 not yeah more so the what the governing body gets at the end of the day. Like I know there'll be prize money and stuff like that, but just in terms of participating in your group matches, I wonder if they all get the same amount or if it is skewed towards some nations or other nations. It'll be, be interesting to find out. Yeah. I wonder if they they layer it so that you get so much for a pool game, so much for a finals game, et cetera, et cetera, and so much for playing in the final. So that way it means that, you know, let's be honest, it means that the Australians will be getting paid a lot more than everybody else purely because they're going further into the competition. Yeah. There might be some sort of weird weird arrangement that was made back in – 1990 or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon that they've got? At, do you reckon that they've got at the International Rugby League anything at all on paper that no. goes back? Okay, <laughs> I was going to say that goes back further than like they 2010. Have, they, they, they didn't even have results on paper. Yeah. I always used to say it was just a letterhead that the rugby football league gets sent out, and I know it's a bit different now. It's a little bit, a little bit more than that. It's probably it got an embossed envelope as well. Yeah, remember when we looked up where the uh, headquarters were for the <laughs> International Rugby League in London, and there's no signage or anything. Just it's a just door a, with, a door with a flag out the front. Just a door, yeah. <laughs> You go inside and someone serves you tea, but you don't know where actually – that's all there is. <laughs> a lady with a tea trolley. Do you the have one sugar be, or two? The only thing it would be good for is going in and getting your parking validated. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Hey, they might have a vending machine in there. I bet that they do. I bet <laughs> they've got a vending machine and a bunch of foldable tables. Yeah, they had, they had plenty of those around. It'd just be a room full of those foldable tables. Nothing on it, just, just tables everywhere stacked that's up. More, look, that's more than they need. It'll look like the outside of a ring at a WWE tables that isn't chairs match. <laughs> <laughs> just chairs and tables stacked up everywhere. Yeah. You're going, hmm, I wonder why they're stacked up like that for. <laughs> if you listen to the palms, Peter Volandis is waiting around the corner to smash English rugby league through one. Ah, oh, you'd be fine, people. He's, you're not in Melbourne. <laughs> That's all he smashes is Melbourne. 
all we do in Australia is worry about how we can kill off English rugby league, hey? Yeah, yeah. We um we tried by giving some of their best players an opportunity to get better. Yeah. Actually, no, that's not killing it. No, no. We left them to their own devices. I think that was the problem. Yeah, that was it. We we stopped going over there to help them get money. Yeah. And yeah, that that's that's not gone down well with them. No, it turned out badly. Turned out yeah. that pe- English people can't run English rugby league competitions, eh? Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? I mean, we probably should have learnt after they sold their souls with the whole Super League deals in 95 and how they completely just squandered that opportunity. Who knew that they'd keep doing that? You know, my favourite deal... My ha- favourite deal has to be the stickers on the side of trucks, right? <laughs> my second favourite deal is the one that they did where they said, okay, private equity company, you come in and see if you want to buy us. And by doing that, the private equity company had a look. They said no. And so Super League owed them money. <laughs> how, do you, how do you end up in that position? Maybe you and me should put together a private equity company. We say we're going to buy Super League, and then we say, "No, nah, we're not not interested. Thanks. You owe us two hundred thousand pounds now." Oh, was it before or after the deal with the pizza? Because it was they like, were far apart. Those two. Nah, they were pretty close. I feel like it was just before. It might have been, yeah. Um, did you see too? Just going a little bit off topic here. That mm-hmm. the RFL have got a vacancy for communications and PR officer. Oh, I'd be good at that, hey. Twenty-five thousand pounds a year. Really? Mm. So I I did say to them on on Twitter where I saw it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> on the proviso that I only have to work part-time hours for that part-time wage, and as a sweetener, I'll run the RFL and Super League too. Here's my resume. I like pizza. I'll start on Monday. Pizza would be good, hey? Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not tuna and corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking tuna and corn shit on there. The old chunder pizza. <laughs> you know that thing? Keep that. Yeah. Actually, that that would be my first thing I'd put on there is no more tuna and corn pizzas. I mean, automatically, I've got all the players on side. Yeah. Poor burgers. Um, hey, Canty, should the NRL revise the no-fault stand-down policy in light of... Manasseh Fainu's trial being delayed another year due to the Sydney lockdown. I can't even remember what he did. Was this was this a guy who allegedly stabbed someone at church? Oh, it might have been, actually. Yeah, Manly player. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, it's a really good point. It's a really, really good point. I'd say this. Um, Manly's not missing him. No, they're not. I mean, he's a good player, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, I—I'll be honest. I, I don't really have an issue. This is going to sound a bit, sound a bit wrong because I know you—you you might disagree with me. I don't really have an issue with the no-fault stand-down thing because there's so many good players out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to know uh, for players that if you do something really fucking stupid that could result in criminal charges, we will stand you down on the spot. And you'll just get replaced and forgotten. So don't fuck up. Yeah, but what if you haven't fucked up? You've just been accused of fucking up. Yeah. 
stay at home and don't go outside. Like even without COVID. You sound like a premier all of a sudden. <laughs> no, dictator Dan. <laughs> yeah. Not Gladys. She she's isn't she an angel and everyone loves her? I don't live in New South Wales, so I don't know. All I know is she called in the army today. I don't that's, know what the fucking army's supposed to do. That's hey? helpful. Yeah. Maybe they'll shoot COVID. There's shoot nothing in the face. Yeah, there's nothing better than telling professional soldiers, oh, we want you to be a police force for us. Like, that's yeah, the last thing they want to do. Yeah. I can think of a few countries that that didn't work out too well. <laughs> Nearly all of them when <laughs> it's been put into place. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Um, with all these players leaving clubs, what club are you going to be at next year? What club are you going to be at? Yeah, who are they asking there? Kenty's not at a club. Unless it's uh, unless they were, you know how some of these oh, people see. want. Oh, what? They're, they're suggesting that he's going to go to a club because everyone okay. else is leaving clubs. Uh, is that is that what they're getting at? Do you ever see people on Twitter that? They tweet like they're talking to a person on TV. Yeah, that's kind of one of them. Yeah, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I dare say Kenty will not be at any club. No. He's very non-committal in that area. He likes to just abuse everyone. And I respect him for that. Maybe. <laughs> um, in a player's NRL contract, clubs are obligated to release them to play international football. With no Australia, could we see James Tedesco elect to play for Italy, Felice Cafusi for Tonga, etc.? Yes. You know I've got no issue with that happening. Yeah. Imagine if every NRL player decided they were going to line up for their secondary nation that they could represent. England would have no yeah. chance. <laughs> well, they didn't beat Italy last time he played for them. So um, Oh, the last thing I want to see is the World Cup full of Australians and Kiwis playing for other countries, though. I hate that shit. Uh, I'm, I think it's silly, too, that, you know, you can get someone who's never been to a country all of a sudden representing them. Yeah, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. And, they, you know, they come in and say, oh, I'm really proud to play for my heritage and stuff like that. And yeah. I, I, I can't understand look, there being a lineage and stuff like that, and that's you know they might be proud to represent that area, but uh, yeah, there's there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. Yeah, I, look, I know that my thoughts on it are different because they they come from how I feel. Like I'm an Australian, I, I feel no other connection to any other place on planet Earth. I was born here, I was raised here, I, and I don't feel the need to you know, thump my chest over, you know, where my parents or grandparents or anyone else was born. Uh, you know, you are who you are. I walk my own path. All of a sudden, I'm getting very deep, hey? I was going to say, are you trying to um, steer everyone away from the fact that you may be able to represent another nation? No, I could only I could only represent Australia, Andrew. That's it. It's no other nation I have any connection with whatsoever. Not even via your parents? Parents. <laughs> That's their burden to carry. <laughs> we'll leave that one there. Um, yeah. Do we do we say suck shit or not? That's <laughs> I just I just find it weird. I find it really weird. It's like 
St. Patrick's Day rolls around and everyone's part Irish. Shut up. Well, yeah, half the white population in Australia would be. I know. It's ridiculous. And I know I, I probably there'll be people listening and it'll be like, oh, you've been ignorant. Yeah, I am. Go fuck yourself. Well, you know what? We're, we're, yeah, we're Australians. I mean, we're supposed to be, you know, we've been casual racism flows through our veins from a very long, long, long lineage going a long way back. It's not even racism, though. No. It's just, it's like, it's I, I just don't, I've never understood it. I've never understood it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I know, and I'm the first person to say I'm different. You know, a lot of people feel differently, and that's fine. That's, they can feel however they feel. I'm not dismissing how they feel. I just think it's... F- no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Um, having equaled their club record of 15 wins in a row, this time in the same season, can the Storm equal or surpass the record of 19 in a row set by the 1975 Roosters side? Ooh. Let's just have a quick look at the uh, the draw. Yeah, their next game's against Penrith. They they should really win that. Penrith have a lot of players out. Yeah, it's it's a weakened Pen, Panther side. So I'd, I'd be back in the Storm to win that one. Yeah, I tip um, the Storm. Then they play Manly. Oh, they'll beat Manly. I can't believe people rate Manly so highly, hey? Then they play Canberra. Yeah, they'll beat Canberra. They're losers. Uh, then they play the Titans. Oh, the t- well... The Titans will rack up a 30-point scoreline in them in the first 20 minutes and then lose by 60. <laughs> That's right. And then they've got Parramatta. Yeah, Parramatta's done. This season's over. And then they end the regular season against the Sharks. Oh, yeah, they'll be the Sharks. There's, the thing is, though, they've got a, in recent times, hmm. a bit of a interesting record against the Titans. They've lost a few games against the Titans in recent times, and they've, yeah. since 2016, they haven't been overwhelmingly dominant against the Sharks either, although they've won the majority of the games in the last two years, I think. Yeah. Um, haven't really been dominating them, though. But in saying that, I still think they'll beat both of those teams comfortably. How absolutely insane would it be if they get to the grand final on a winning streak and they play the Panthers and the Panthers beat them. Wouldn't that just be the weirdest thing? It'd be, it reminds me of my uh, my junior cricket days. Yeah. Where we went through the entire regular season, undefeated, won the semis, both of them, and then lost the final. Oh, really? And the second year, and we went through and won every single regular season game again. Won the semis and then beat the team we lost to the, in the grand final the year before. We beat them in the grand final the second time around. So we went two whole years with one loss being a grand final. Wow. Yeah. Uh, there's been nothing like that in rugby league that I can think of before, where one team has been, you know, they, they had that winning streak, lost the grand final, and then it was sort of reversed the next year to be really cool. I'd like that. It'd be, it'd be pretty uh, interesting. It'd definitely make for a great grand final. It would, yeah, yeah. I can't. I still can't see anyone being in the grand final except the Storm and and Panthers. Like, yeah, it's it's. I think, um, Manly have the potential to shock a team just with a good performance. 
but it's got to be kind of a fluky thing, and they've got to come up against the right team. I don't think that team that they will be able to shock will be Penrith or Melbourne, though. No, no. But I think they can beat every other team there on their day. Yeah, like they might beat a Parramatta or someone like that. Yeah, Parramatta again. I'm just, I just look at them and go. I know you're winning plenty of games. I'm just not convinced by their performances. Yeah, I'm the same. I feel as though I feel like Penrith broke Parramatta last year, and they sort of showed that they haven't got that extra gear to go to. Like they're, I feel as though like where they're sitting on the ladder is exactly where they belong. Um, well, the thing is, they're sitting in exactly the same competition points as a, let's be honest, completely destroyed Roosters roster. Mm. And they are sitting level with them. Yeah. I think it's a credit to the Roosters and what they've done this year as to how well they're going, considering the insane losses that they've had. Um and how dramatic those losses are. They're, you know, players forced into retirement, three of them. Three of them, yeah. Insane. And then you've got Kyria for nearly the entire year, your, your number one half. And think, then you've had a few players out through Origin and stuff like that, and they've still just been able to, you know, bubble along. They're, they're scoring points pretty well. The defense is not as good as it has been, obviously. But they're still winning games and scoring scoring points pretty freely. It's pretty impressive, <laughs> I feel as though that it shows, like, if you look at the teams kind of below them, below the Roosters, they're kind of all in a bit of a pack, even the Manly Seagulls. Like, it's not like you look at the Seagulls and say, wow, they're a gun side. They're just a team that plays pretty well compared to everyone else in competition. Most teams are playing really poorly this year. And I feel as though the Roosters, it's a lot about consistency. And I know they've lost a lot of players. I'm not taking that away from them. But I think that it kind of shows what type of season we have this year, where the Roosters can be where they are, even though they've had that many injuries in their side. Yeah. Yeah, they've... It does show the the talent gap that, that's starting to exist too with the, the new rules. Yeah. Um, you see which rosters are being managed a little bit better. And it just it's basically managed by having star players in key positions... That's pretty much it. Yeah, and, you know, the Roosters pay players under the table. No, I can't say that. <laughs> it's over the table, but in very well-marked brown bags. Yeah. I'm trying to offend everyone in this episode. We're, hey? we're, we're trying. We, we usually do in these ones. Yeah. Um, Based on their new signings, where do you see the Dogs finishing next year? I think they'll be a finals team, hey? Really? Yeah, for sure. You look at their forwards that they've got. I mean, they're, they're going to get Tavita Pangai Jr., Paul Vaughan. They're two pretty good additions. They've already got Josh Jackson. They need a hooker. Their back line is going to be pretty good. I worry about their halves, but I think that they're going to have enough consistency that they'll be a bottom of the top eight team. All this that you just said is all white noise because the only thing that matters is who the coach will be. Well, that's the problem. Like, if he can't make them a top eight team, he can't fucking coach. Yeah, I think they'll probably be 12th next year. Oh, really? But um, only because we've seen before that if you make a ton of new signings, Mm -hmm. it does take probably a year for everything to gel and everything to start working before it starts to click properly. And then the following year, 
I wouldn't be surprised if the following year they may sneak into the eight. See, I but, feel like if they finish 12th next year, it would be as disastrous as any of their last two seasons. I think it would be... Oh, I don't think it would be that bad. These last two seasons would be pretty fucking shit. I know, but at least it was a shit team. Like, I think next year they're going to have enough talent to be a top eight team. And if they finish 12th, I feel like Bulldogs fans are going to go into a meltdown. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, as you've mentioned, their halves are not something that gives you a great deal of hope. Mm-hmm. Their spine is pretty weak. Yeah. And that's something they haven't addressed at all. Uh, so with that in mind, I think they, they will struggle a bit. But I think they will they will win definitely several more games than what they have been. They'll, probably, they'll go close to winning 10 games next year. And I think considering that they've won, what, two or three games across the last two years combined, I think having 10 wins, I don't think that they'll see that as being a failure. I think that's a good step in the right direction towards making the finals year after, which is pretty much what they've got to be trying to do. Because we've seen before, if you try and make the finals in one leap, one leap from being dog shit for two or three years, mm. it may work for one season and then you fall back. Yeah. So you need to sort of go up in, in gradual steps. I think what the Bulldogs have gone through under those Hasler years and uh, they, they can't go doing things hurriedly. They need to take their time. How many current teams would you write off their chances of being finalists next year? Tigers. Yep. Um, I'd say Cowboys. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat confident in saying Newcastle. I'm going to yeah, say this about Newcastle. I had no idea. Uh, well, yeah, I, I can't believe how poor their attack has been this year. Mm-hmm. They have the second worst attack in the comp, I believe. Yeah, but they've been missing, like, and it's not so much Pierce. It's Ponga. Like, when Ponga's in that side, they're a different sort of attack and outfit. And you take him out of it and they they literally have nothing. It's really crazy. Yeah, but it's... That's something they need to fix. Yeah, 100%. Man, look, Manly's the same. Their attack's dog shit without um, Tom Trebojevic there. Yeah. Anyways, um, have the Sharks done enough to be in premiership contention for next season? No. No, not even close. Look, they'll they'll push for the eight again, just as they have, as they have this year. That's kind of where they are at the moment. They're just an yeah. eighth team. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like they'll be a better version of what they are now, but not enough that you know they, they might be a little tougher to beat, but. That's it, really. I don't. I haven't seen anything revolutionary, unless no. Fitzgibbon comes in and he's the super coach. Everyone says. Yeah, I still think they're. Even if that happens, they're probably still one or two good signings away. I mean, they're pretty close to sorting out their roster now. They've some of the um, overpaid players and the elder, you know, older players. Mm. They're starting to push them out of the club. I hear Aaron Woods is on his way out, and I did see one. One media outlet, I think, suggesting that he could go back to the West Tigers. Oh, can you imagine? No, I can't. <laughs> we'll and find out in November. Yeah, they'll sign him. No one else will. Just, did you say that the West Tigers were looking at Curtis Scott from the Never <laughs> Raiders? And... Can we stop signing troubled centres, please? 
He was just, and then I went back to the Raiders and said, "Oh no, we don't think we'll do it at the moment." But he was the most—he's the most West Tigery player signed at the West Tigery time that they wasn't could that, have got. Wasn't that supposed to be a? I thought I saw it was going to be a player swap, two players for two players, and it was going to be Brooks and Embi for Whiten and um, Scott. I I saw that a couple of days before, and but I, I think be- it ended up just being Scott himself. Okay, because I'm pretty sure too that was a hood ornament uh, rumor that he made up, mm-hmm. as he does. Yeah. Got any um any hood ornament rumors just to help him out? Because he hasn't written an article for a few days. He's probably <laughs> trying to think of one. Well, if you go to nrlrumors.com. You can find all of the latest rumours. I don't make them up, by the way. I just put them on there when I see them. And if they pan out, they pan out. If they don't, they don't. It's just the rumours that are going around. You should put I, a section on there of full yeah. ornament rumours where you just make up whatever the hell you want. Just you make shit up, yeah. Yeah, like uh, Nathan Cleary to Hull FC on a 17-year deal worth $3.7 million a year. Why the fuck not? Remember when uh, I think it was Salford was – supposed to be going to spend millions of dollars to get Darren Lockyer. <laughs> I think it was Darren Lockyer, and then it ended up they were going to get um, Shane Webke. And it's okay. just, it was just all bullshit. And did they end up getting, like, Rangy Chase or someone? <laughs> someone like that. <laughs> we're going to spend this million somewhere. Damn it. It's burning a hole in my pocket. Being Salford, it's like, we we got to spend these millions somewhere. Oh, shit. We missed him. Let's spend it on someone else. Oh, shit. We don't actually have the money. It's almost like they took the West Tigers um, <laughs> playbook for signing players. Hey, you're you're getting Jackson Hastings next year. He's a former Salford, Salford Red Devil champion player. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have two Poms in the team next year. I know you're looking forward to the Jackson Hastings era. Mm, nope. Uh, <laughs> is Madge to blame for the recruitment misses or the CEO, Pasco? While Pasco has been in the chair, he's cost the club Teddy and Moses. <sighs> Tedesco was always going to go. Yeah. He'd signed with Canberra and got lured back by Farah. Tedesco grew up being a Rooster supporter. He was always going to head off. I think he's Family are good mates with the Minicellos. All right. He was always going to leave. Moses, um, he always wanted to get out anyway. He thought he was better. Um, took Jason Taylor over Farah. No, what happened there was they signed Jason Taylor because he was the cheapest coach on offer. And then they gave Taylor a directive to get rid of Robbie Farah because he cost too much money. And then they just had this very public, very stupid spat which ended in Taylor looking like the dickhead that he is, and Farrah leaving the club for 15 minutes before Ivan Cleary came came in and brought him back. Like yeah. Common sense prevailed. Um, cost the club a salary cap fine. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that funny? That was funny. That was hilarious. That When when he, he said, I oh, know it's completely above board, and the NRL had to say, no, no, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> And he's happy for the club to play at 25 home grounds. Well, they've been doing that for a lot longer than Pasco's been there, to be fair. Um, but I wouldn't be blaming 
Madge for a great deal. I would dare say he's probably got some say in the recruitment going on at the moment. But Teddy and Moses are not matches because that all happened before he turned up. Do you reckon that that Maguire is at a point with the West Tigers, though, when the CEO comes in and he says, hey, I've got a player that I reckon I could get, and Maguire just says, just get everyone. Anyone you can get me, just bring them in at this point. <laughs> uh, no, nah, because I think what, what Maguire's trying to do is – Get a team that's accountable. Um, so he's not really chasing. We've seen this already. He's not chasing big name superstars. He's chasing players who will work in a cohesive manner um, with a team unit. He's not trying to find game winners. He's trying to find team players, and he's trying to find out who the team players are within the current rabble that he's got. Um, and he's finding he doesn't have a great deal of them. Yeah. Uh, James Tamo is a good example. He bought him because he's always, you know, since he's been at Penrith anyway, he was seen as a genuine team player. Yeah. He wasn't there for trying to chase big money or do, you know, shit purely for himself. He was there for the team. That's the sort of signing that uh, Maguire's looking for. And a lot of it is about trying to make sure the team starts being a defensive piece of piss. Yeah. You, you can't be, you can't be a strong defensive unit if you're not cohesive. No. It's as simple as that. And your your attack will work off the back of that. So he's trying to build a bunch of team players and put them into the team. That's pretty much what's, what the way I see it anyway. You know, Penrith lost a player last year to a TikTok video. The The Tigers lost a player this year to a piece of tape. That's pretty interesting. It is, it is. Um, in saying that, he, I think Madge was res- may have been responsible for the signing of um, the old sliding door. Yeah. And I, I, I never liked that signing, hey? Yeah, I, I thought if there's a chance they can keep him focused on footy and play him purely and solely on the wing, it would work. Mm-hmm. And the one time they did that, I was proven right. Mm-hmm but they only did it win one game. <laughs> um, the other bad signing was um, Luciano's big brother. Yeah, that's a shocker. That's a dumb signing. Yeah. It made no sense when they did it. It makes worse sense now. They've just they've shot themselves in the foot there. The fact they're thinking about, you know, even contemplating chasing another troubled centre. Just don't. Yeah, don't bring problems to your club. Yeah, I always think that's a pretty it. good point. Just stop it. They've got to stop. They've really got to stop buying all of these players across. The one thing that that um, Tim Sheens did really well that helped change the culture at the West Tigers when he got there was he stopped trying to buy in also rents from wherever from whatever the four corners of the globe. He just went right. Let's start with people who are in the local community who want to play for this club. That's the first step. Mm. And I think that's something that Maguire's starting to touch on now because he's brought through quite a few local juniors this year. I think that's the direction he has to go in and Sheen's turning up will make sure that that definitely happens again. It's going to be interesting to see how long they persist with it. Yeah. Uh, What's this one here? Is the clampdown officially over? More and more high tackles are going on report and a bad one that would have been a send-off during Magic Round went to the bin. 
Yeah, definitely. It was over about three weeks ago, I reckon. And yeah, it didn't last that long. You know, if you hit someone in the head pretty hard, you're going to go to the bin for 10, but it's you got to hit them pretty damn hard in the head. Like, there was a uh, Walker Blake in the uh, Parramatta versus Roosters game that was on uh, earlier tonight. He got hit in the head. He uh, ended up with blood coming out of his nose, left the field, didn't come back. There wasn't 10 in the bin for that. It was just a penalty. Yep. <sighs> Another Volandi's brilliant idea, that one. Yeah. I don't get this stuff. Like, if you're going to do a clampdown on anything, fucking see it through. I agree. Otherwise, you, it's just pointless. You know, you, you, you're undermining anything you've done, the whole process. Well, all they did was ruin, like, what, five rounds of football? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've ruined plenty before it, but they just ruined five rounds even more so than they normally would have. Yeah, mate, mate, the game's just a mess. Yeah, and for what? Like, what's your outcome? There Mm. isn't any. Mm. You did this stupid crackdown, which, I mean, the height of it was when, I think, was it Tyson Gamble got sent off for standing there and crouching down to make a tackle and a bloke fell into his shoulder? Yeah. And he got sent off. You're like, come on. Yeah. I understand you want to crack down on high t- high tackles and stuff, but you've got to crack down on high tackles that could have been avoided. When a bloke yeah. falls forward and collides with your shoulder and you're crouching down to tackle him low anyway, that's that's a pure accident, and the tackler is completely not at fault there, <clears throat> and that should never be a, a punishable offence. That's not an offence. That's just stupid, and that kept happening. And it's, I'm I'm glad in some sense that the crack the crackdown has ended in that regard because it was stupid to start with, mm-hmm. just how over the top it went. I understand I'm I'm not opposed to cracking down on high contact around the head, but high contact on the head had always been illegal. The stuff we were cracking down on was like it was brazenly stupid stuff, like a shoulder, you know, an arm over the shoulder from behind if it glanced the jaw. You know, Sinbin, you know, come off it. Yeah, it was silly. It got to a silly point. And once yeah. they get rid of this six again, crap, you know, and the game can almost get back to where it should be. There's a bunch of other rules they need to get rid of that they brought in. But the six again stuff is still killing teams and killing games. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a massive momentum builder, and mm. it completely throws games. Yeah. Um, if the Canberra Raiders end up making the eight don't think they will. Do you think they will still require some major rebuilding for 2022 and beyond, as has previously been suggested? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll make the eight, but they just need the rebuild, and they have, they've needed the rebuild for years. And the problem is they had that re- one really good season, and I think it glossed over some of the problems that they had. Yeah, I think, I think going forward for them, they've got a pretty decent forward pack. And the forward rotation off the bench is pretty handy. But mm. behind that, the halves and the backs um, need to work. Yeah. The Dragons are four from 13 since buying Josh Maguire. They were four from five before buying him. As the game passed him by, uh, it's a bit harsh blaming Maguire for that. Yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> He's just a lock for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um. I think the problem there at the Dragons, and we started to see it a few weeks ago with the barbecue incident, is 
the players are not focused on playing footy. Their brain's not on the game. When they Look, put just, it on the game, we saw it when they played the the Eels at the start of the year. When they yeah. when they focus on playing football, fuck me, they can play some good footy. But they haven't been tuned into playing good footy anywhere near enough. I don't know. I just think it's a talent problem for them at the moment. Like, they went for so long being poorly coached. And I think that Hooker's done an all right job with them so far this year. But I, I, I feel as though... And, and the problem with that barbecue was that it really knocked them for six as a club. They've got so many players that are suspended. They lost one of their starting front rowers. Um, I just think it's a talent thing. I mean, they're in a rebuilding mode anyway, so their results aren't going to be fantastic. And I think a player like Maguire was brought in to sort of be a stopgap measure while they do that rebuilding, to be honest. I mean, I thought getting him and, and McCulloch were weird signings, but... At the same time, you know, they're not long-term commitments. They're older players. They're experienced players. Maybe they can teach younger players, you know, something. But, um, you know, it's not like they're the guys they're building the team around. No, that's right. Um, if PVL is the great administrator you say he is, how come he managed to save the NRL but couldn't do the same for the Rugby League World Cup? That's not his job. <laughs> Isn't that easy? I think people don't understand that Peter Volandi's job is just to run Australian Rugby League. And so did, you say run, him, did you say run or ruin? Well, you know. <laughs> you know. But that's his job. And if yeah. people expect him to save the World Cup, let him run the World Cup. Yeah, what could go wrong? Exactly. Um, if Para failed to fire at the end of this year... What are the chances of the godfather, Wayne Bennett, coming in next year to get them over the hump? they got the roster, just not the coach. Have they got the roster? Uh, Look, it's not a bad roster, but... They need, they, you know what they need? They need a playmaker. Yeah. I think the problem the problem they've got, okay, and it does, it does land on Mitch Moses a bit, mm-hmm. and when he's... When he's in good form and confident, he runs a lot. And yeah. he's devastating when he runs the ball. Yeah. No one knows what he's doing. And he can he can do whatever the hell he wants in attack. And Paramount are, are unbeatable. But that window, when he's like that, doesn't seem to stay open for very long. And when he goes back into his shell, he's sideways and kicks the corners. That's his entire game plan. Yeah. And, like, when was the last time you could honestly sit here and say – Mitch Moses has been in really good form. Started last year. Exactly. I, that's exactly what I would have said. Mm. Because the, at the end of last year, and look, he picked up a bit of an injury, and that stopped him last year. But he hasn't recaptured his form this year. And no. it's it's really hurt Parramatta. And look, he's out at the moment. So it, their loss, uh, well, I'm guessing that they lost against the Roosters. I didn't say the end of the game. Yeah, 28-0. That's terrible. Um, yeah, it like you can't put it all on him, but I think that they do miss that somebody in the somebody that's in the halves that's managing the team's attack, and I think that they're undercoached really badly. Like I don't rate Brad Arthur as a coach at all. No, I think he's um he's doing a lot better than I thought he ever would right now. Mm-hmm. But I never saw him as a coach that would be coaching a premiership winning team. 
he's um, you know sometimes you just get those coaches who are they're like the midway between the rebuild and getting a good coach into taking that one step further. He's just one of those coaches, like a Brian Smith sort of thing. Yeah. He's like a poor man's Brian Smith. There you go. Um, when I saw the Josh Alloway tackle, the first contact was with the thigh. Is a cannonball still below the kneecap? And if there was no injury, would he be suspended because there are worse cannonballs tackles this year? But since there was no injury, there was no charge. People I, stop see- trying, I was going to say, people can stop trying to attach um, a severity of suspension with a player's injury. You've got to okay. look at just the tackle itself. Whether mm. the player gets injured or not should not be relevant. I only saw that tackle once, and it was very fleeting. I think I saw it on a, a news replay or something. Um, so I, I, I just don't feel comfortable saying too much about well, it, to be honest. I saw it. All I, all I can say about it was... Um, what makes it bad is not where it's not whether he's above or below the kneecap. It's the fact that the player basically stopped moving. He was standing in the tackle, and he came in late and very low. Yeah, just completely unnecessary. The bloke has stopped moving. The ball was wrapped up. There's no need to to make that tackle. Yeah, no need whatsoever. And that makes it a um, intentional act, and it's a tact that well, we don't know that he was intending to injure the bloke, but it's an, it's it was an intention to tackle him very low around the leg. Mm-hmm. You've got to charge it, as far as I'm concerned, and he should have got a week for it. But that's all. It doesn't come down to how badly the player gets injured or not. It's just a dumb thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to make that tackle. It's just stupid. Um, why has the ARLC stopped the Jillaroos and Aussie wheelchair teams going to the Rugby League World Cup? Is this fair? Well, I dare say the ARLC covers women's football on the um the wheelchair team. Yeah, they they uh, the governing body for all of them, and they made it. I mean, it would be really weird if they said the men's team can stay at home, but everyone else is fine to go. That would be strange. Yeah, you mentioned the fact they cop for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Peter Blandy's got no issues sending women over to get COVID. Yeah, this would be very, very strange. Yeah. Um, could we have the World Cup played in Queensland? Could, but, you know, England wants it every second term, so they get it. Yeah, it's very important to England. Just ask England. Yeah. It's nothing to do with English Rugby League, though. It's about the world. Just ask England. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's got nothing to do with them. It's except for everything. Um, with up to 10 clubs struggling with player depth, could this potentially spell trouble for the game? I think this is a problem that people don't realise, is that we're not playing New South Wales Cup at the moment and haven't been for many weeks and basically had all of last year out the window as well. So the idea of player depth teams are struggling with play depth because there's no depth to draw on at the moment. Like there would only be a certain amount of players that NRL clubs would have taken up to Queensland. So, you know, they've got the players they've got and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think what clubs are struggling with is the stupidly sped up game through the rule changes. 
Yeah. Which is probably it's it's hard to prove, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a correlation between the rapid speeding up of the game and a number of these injuries. Feels like it. It mm. it, it looks like it with the eyeball test, you know. Pub test? Oh, the, well, the pub test, you're completely off your face and you're just hoping that you can make it home without spewing your guts all over somebody's car. So I don't know about the pub test. I've never been in that position. It's a tricky one. Yeah. Uh, I've seen many worse hits than the Yeo one. Sin being sufficiently adjudicated. If the bloke was a boxer, he would be known to have a glass jaw. It barely hit him, which is a lot more worrying for his future. I didn't see this one. Well, look, he, he did get hit high. It was a whack on the jaw. I mean, that was just, it was. He got whacked on the jaw. But he does get knocked out pretty easily. And, you know, I I am always worried about him and Appy sounds the same for the Panthers. He tends to cop a hit on the jaw and he's out pretty quickly too. Um, and, yeah, it's something he's going to have to consider. It's it's not good. He's such a good player too in the middle. He's a really little bit of a unique player in rugby league in the way that he's got such good footwork. He's a very good defender. He's got a little bit of ball playing about him. Um, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time in terms of his defence, and he's always really well planted to defend. But he cops a head knock and it really knocks him out. So. I don't know if he'll play again this year. I hope he does. But he would have to be considering his future for sure. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen him have too many head knocks to be um, comfortable asking him to come back again. I'd be just saying, mate, sit out a lot and contemplate mm. whether you want to take another head knock or not. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's kind of where he's at. He's had too many for my liking. Yeah, it's it's horrible when you see it with... You know, you see it with fighters too. I remember when um, Chuck Liddell, who used to, he'd stand there in the octagon and he would just throw with anybody, didn't matter who he was against. Mm. And then when you first started to see him, just he'd cop a little tap on the chin and he would turn off. And it was like, wow, it's uh, it's really weird to see. Yeah, it is. Uh, here's a good one. Will Maguire coach the West Tigers next year? And if not him or Buzz's boy Flano, who would be a good choice? Uh, who, who would you say if Maguire wasn't there? And it's not going to be Flano because, you know. <laughs> oh, man. That, that would be a West Tigers move. But who else could you think of that would be a good coach for them? Uh, it's going to have to be a carbon copy of Madge. Um, someone hard. I know I've spoken about Tubi an awful lot. He's the only person that comes to mind who I'd be comfortable having there because I think if that documentary that we've had seen so far, and we've only seen the first episode, has shown anything, it's that Maguire has been um, friendly. He's been angry. He's being aggressive. He's done every single different type of emotional trick to try and spark these guys, and none of it works, which yeah. tells me the plays he's listening to are either tone deaf, stupid, or soft. Yeah. And it's one of those three. And so you can't have a soft coach come in. 
You need someone who's going to get aggressive with them and get in their face. I would want to hear lots of reports of the players don't like him. Yeah. I say, oh, I just want to see the players actually respond. Yeah. I want to see, I, I think the one thing I want to see from Maguire is to go, you know what? From now on, I'm going to behave exactly the same way every single time because I think he's probably starting to send mixed messages with the way he's trying to contact, you know, communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And these guys don't communicate well as it is, so they're all a bit confused now. Oh, one minute he's creaky, one minute he's sad. It's like being married. Some shit. Um, <laughs> so, what did you just say? Uh, oh, I, I feel like that's an air point. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think he needs to just go out and say, right, I'm going to be just a hard ass on these bastards and I'm just going to do it every fucking day for the rest of the year. Yeah. And if they, the ones who don't respond to it, out the fucking door. Yeah. And it seems like he's, it, when you watch that first episode, he kind of was trying to find out who who on the field was doing the talking and things like that. I, you know, I just hope he is given the time to do his job. Yeah, he's heading in the right direction. It was always going to take a while. Like you can't. People have got this. I know I said it in the last episode. People have got this impression that you can rebuild a club and make them a finals contender in two or three years. Still, it just doesn't work like that anymore. No. There's so much more involved in it, and it's going to take probably six or seven years to do a proper rebuild that will actually give you more than one or two premiership window years. Yeah. And you look at what Penrith have done. They've built their team. It took them a few, several years to do it, but they've built their team, and they've built all the structures in place so that they're going to be in a premiership window for several seasons. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it takes a while to do that. You think of the, the last time you saw Penrith at their best and how long it took them to get to where they are now, how many years it took. That's the rebuild process. Yeah. That didn't take two or three years. It took a long time. But once you've got it set in place, yeah, the results are there to see this year. That's that's what a lot of fans have got to realise. That's how it is now. Your rebuilds will take six or seven years minimum. So... If you if you're about to embark on a rebuild, you don't sign a coach for two seasons because no. you'll never get the rebuild done. You'll just get rid of that coach and bring in another one, and the whole process has to start over again. Which is exactly what the Tigers have been doing since Sheen's left. Time yeah, to start and- the rebuild. Oh, coach, we don't like this bloke. Oh, get another one. It's time to start the rebuild. You know, we don't like this. Guy. Get another one. Okay, well, time to restart the rebuild, and it just goes on and on and on. And that's why it's so important to get the right person to be a coach because – and I look at somebody like um, the New Zealand Warriors who they brought in Nathan Brown to be the coach and then immediately felt like they needed Phil Gould to come in and do some sort of role. And it's like, well, if Nathan Brown couldn't have done this role as the head coach, you've signed the wrong coach. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's – it worries me that um, there were no junior pathways or no good junior pathway system set up in one country. That's yeah. A problem. Yeah. Look, I think the thing that really, really hurt the Warriors more than anyone was when they killed off the under-20s comp 
because oh, yeah. that, there were so many good players that come into that under-20 side for the Warriors, and they're always one of the better teams. And it was just such a great stepping stone for our young stars of the game. Getting rid of that competition was a, it was an absolutely terrible idea. Yeah, it hurt them more than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we've got a few interesting ones here. Uh, when will your Ashley and Martin turning point be? <laughs> Man, how about I got a question for you, right? Yeah. Scott Morrison's hair. Yeah. At at one point it started to thin out a lot, but now it's sort of coming back a little bit, LeBron James style. Do you reckon he's just growing what he has, or do you think there's a little something going on there? He might be using some of that um I remember this product from the, might have been the eighties or the nineties. Hair in a can. Hair in a, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I reckon he's probably using a little bit of that. Yeah. He's not, but he's been smart about it. He's not going stupid and going, oh, yeah, I'm bored. Let's just put an afro on me. Mm-hmm. He's going, let's just touch it up a little bit every day. Just paint it, it some... over so it's got the same colour. Yeah, a little bit of volume, not, just not little, much. Yeah. You don't want to go over the top, and just every day, just a little bit more. How do you think stupid? How do you think people would respond if tomorrow he comes out and he's just got a shaved head? Um, do you reckon well, people would freak out? They'd be like, what the fuck's going on? Did something happen? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would give people to, uh, something to laugh at him about because at the moment he's just copping shit. <laughs> yeah, true. What if he'd shaved his head and just started growing a moustache? I think he, I think what he needs to do is get one of those Kevin Rudd beards happening. Have you seen the Kevin Rudd beard? Yeah, it makes him makes him look like he's trying to be um, Colonel Sanders. I don't know what he's doing. It it looks so weird on so many levels. Mm-hmm. But I think it's high time we had an Australian Prime Minister that had had the courage and wherewithal to grow facial hair. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, it's time. I thought it was going to be Julia Gillard, but no. Didn't happen, sadly. Um, please remove that awful music from Ask Kenty. I don't know what that awful music I is. I don't know the music. I don't watch it. <laughs> uh, is your middle name Empathy? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. I like that one. Um, if play welfare underpins the head high focus, why doesn't the cannibal tackle get a sin bin? That tackle could end a player's career. Well, the thing is, there's rules against cannibal tackles anyway, just like there were rules against the head-eye tackle. Yeah. So this is the problem is as soon as someone gets injured from an illegal tackle, you got players, uh, people now will come out and say, why don't we crack down on this? And go, is, we cracked down on the head-eye tackles and it was stupid. Do we really want to keep cracking down on things? Like if we have all these crackdowns, what are you going to do is have a whole heap of stupid rules and a whole heap of stupid penalties and a whole heap of stupid score lines? Yeah. It's funny. Remember when uh, when they brought in the crackdown during Magic Round and there's never measured responses in rugby league, which is the best part about rugby league. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, do, do people want to go back to the 1970s when you could just, you know, pole someone? And it's like, no, go and watch them games. <laughs> 
There's only two ways you can have a rugby league, and that is either Mortal Kombat fatalities or touch football. There's no middle ground. <laughs> There's no in between. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit late, mate. Just seeking an update as to whether you've converted to veganism yet during this lockdown. Ah. I don't think Kenty can do vegan. No. I was going to say something and, and then I censored myself. I figured you had. Mm. <laughs> um, why can't players access the balcony? Even in lockdown in Sydney, we can go outside into the yard or on the balcony. Do you go out onto your one. balcony? Hey? Do you go out onto your balcony? Yeah, but I think that from Friday in in Sydney, if you go out, go out even to your letterbox, you're supposed to wear a mask, hey? Okay, so COVID's in the air, kind of like the uh, the nuclear fallout at Chernobyl. Pretty much, yeah. I was actually thinking today, what would happen if you sewed the working part of a mask, like the filter part of a mask, into a ski mask and then just started getting around in like a balaclava, you know, walking into banks in a balaclava and things like that. I wonder how well received that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I dare say there's only one way to find out. <laughs> I, I, GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that on YouTube. We'll see how it goes. Oh shit. Oh man. I shan't be doing that. <laughs> I remember uh, last year when they had the mask thing and I actually did go into a bank and it felt really weird. Because they've always got them signs up saying you can't cover your face in a bank. And now it's like, well, you've got to cover your face to go places. And walking into a bank with a mask on is just kind of strange. Wow, that's some really fascinating stuff, League Freak. Um, Had to cut off the podcast there because Andrew's little one woke up and was playing with matches or something. I don't really know what was going on. But uh, no, he just woke up for his feed. So we had to stop the podcast there. We just about got to the end of the Ask Kenty stuff anyway. So it was pretty good timing as it turned out. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Tell them to subscribe, grab their phones off them and send us a really cool review from their podcast app that they use. Um, Also remember to check out both of our Patreon pages. Andrew's one is patreon.com forward slash RL project. Mine is patreon.com forward slash league freak with no space. Also remember to check out rugbyleagueproject.org, the best stats site there is out there for rugby league worldwide, by the way. Um, Check out leaguefreak.com for all your latest rugby league news and opinions. The Rugby League Podcasting Network, which has gone really well. Uh, All of the best independent rugby league podcasts are on there. And don't forget to check out NRL Breaking News and NRL Rumours. Yeah, that's about one third of the website addresses that I own right there. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll do another podcast probably on Sunday, I would suggest, where we'll probably be talking a little bit more about the World Cup. We'll see what's been going on in the NRL over the weekend. And until then, we will catch you later.